section one of the crime of sylvestre bonnard by anatole france this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the crime of sylvestre bonnard by anatole france part one the log december twenty four eighteen forty nine i had put on my slippers and my dressing-gown i wiped away a tear with which the north wind blowing over the quay had obscured my vision a bright fire was leaping in the chimney of my study ice crystals shaped like fern leaves were sprouting over the window-panes and concealed from me the seine with its bridges and the louvre of the valois i drew up my easy-chair to the hearth and my table volant and took up so much of my place by the fire as hamilcar deigned to allow me hamilcar was lying in front of the andirons curled up on a cushion with his nose between his paws his thick fine fur rose and fell with his regular breathing at my coming he slowly slipped a glance of his agate eyes at me from between his half-opened lids which he closed again almost at once thinking to himself it is nothing it is only my friend hamilcar i said to him as i stretched my legs hamilcar somnolent prince of the city of books thou guardian nocturnal like that divine cat who combated the impious in heliopolis in the night of the great combat thou dost defend from vile nibblers those books which the old savant acquired at the cost of his slender savings and indefatigable zeal sleep hamilcar softly as a sultana in this library that shelters thy military virtues for verily in thy person are united the formidable aspect of a tater warrior and the slumbrous grace of a woman of the orient sleep thou heroic and voluptuous hamilcar while awaiting the moonlight hour in which the mice will come forth to dance before the actus sanctorum of the learned bolandists the beginning of this discourse pleased hamilcar who accompanied it with a throat sound like the song of a kettle on the fire but as my voice waxed louder hamilcar notified me by lowering his ears and by wrinkling the striped skin of his brow that it was bad taste on my part so to declaim this old book man evidently thought hamilcar talks to no purpose at all while our housekeeper never utters a word which is not full of good sense full of significance containing either the announcement of a meal or the promise of a whipping one knows what she says but this old man puts together a lot of sounds signifying nothing so thought hamilcar to himself leaving him to his reflections i opened a book which i began to read with interest for it was a catalogue of manuscripts i do not know any reading more easy more fascinating more delightful than that of a catalogue the one i was reading edited in eighteen twenty four by mr thompson librarian to sir thomas raleigh sins it is true by excess of brevity and does not offer that character of exactitude which the archivists of my own generation were the first to introduce into works upon diplomatics and paleography 
it leaves a good deal to be desired and to be divined this is perhaps why i find myself aware while reading it of a state of mind which in nature more imaginative than mine might be called reverie i had allowed myself to drift away this gently upon the current of my thoughts when my housekeeper announced in a tone of ill-humour that m Cocot desired to speak with me in fact some one had slipped into the library after her he was a little man a poor little man of puny appearance wearing a thin jacket he approached me with a number of little bows and smiles but he was very pale and although still young and alert he looked ill i thought as i looked at him of a wounded squirrel he carried under his arm a green toilette which he put upon a chair then unfastening the four corners of the toilette he uncovered a heap of little yellow books monsieur he then said to me i have not the honour to be known to you i am a book agent monsieur i represent the leading houses of the capital and in the hope that you will kindly honour me with your confidence i take the liberty to offer you a few novelties kind gods just gods such novelties as the homunculus coco showed me the first volume that he put in my hand was l'histoire de la tour de nestle with the armure à marguerite de bourgogne and the captain buridan it is a historical book he said to me with a smile a book of real history in that case i replied it must be very tiresome for all the historical books which contain no lies are extremely tedious i write some authentic ones myself and if you were unlucky enough to carry a copy of any of them from door to door you would run the risk of keeping it all your life in that green baize of yours without ever finding even a cook foolish enough to buy it from you certainly monsieur the little man answered out of pure good-nature and all smiling again he offered me the amour de louise et d'abella but i made him understand that at my age i had no use for love-stories still smiling he proposed me the regle des jeux de la société piquet bezique et carte whist dice draughts and chess alas i said to him if you want to make me remember the rules of bezique give me back my old friend bignon with whom i used to play cards every evening before the five academies solemnly escorted him to the cemetery or else bring down to the frivolous level of human amusements the grave intelligence of hamilcar whom you see on that cushion for he is the sole companion of my evenings the little man's smile became vague and uneasy here he said is a new collection of society amusements jokes and puns with a receipt for changing a red rose to a white rose i told him that i had fallen out with the roses for a long time and that as to jokes i was satisfied with those which i unconsciously permitted myself to make in the course of my scientific labours the homunculus offered me his last book with his last smile he said to me here is the clef des songs the key of dreams with the explanation of any dreams that anybody can have dreams of gold dreams of robbers dreams of death dreams of falling from the top of a tower it is exhaustive i had taken hold of the tongs and brandishing them energetically i replied to my commercial visitor yes my friend but those dreams and a thousand others joyous or tragic are all summed up in one the dream of life is your little yellow book able to give me the key to that 
yes monsieur answered the homunculus the book is complete and it is not dear one franc twenty-five centimes monsieur i called my housekeeper for there is no bell in my room and said to her therese monsieur coco whom i am going to ask you to show out has a book here which might interest you the key of dreams i shall be very glad to buy it for you my housekeeper responded monsieur when one has not even time to dream awake one has still less time to dream asleep thank god my days are just enough for my work and my work for my days and i am able to say every night lord bless thou the rest which i am going to take i never dream either on my feet or in bed and i never mistake my eiderdown coverlet for a devil as my cousin did and if you will allow me to give my opinion about it i think you have books enough here now monsieur has thousands and thousands of books which simply turn his head and as for me i have just two which are quite enough for all my wants and purposes my catholic prayer-book and my cuisiniere bourgeoise and with those words my housekeeper helped the little man to fasten up his stock again within the green toilette the homunculus cocot had ceased to smile his relaxed features took such an expression of suffering that i felt sorry to have made fun of so unhappy a man i called him back and told him that i had caught a glimpse of a copy of the histoire d'estelle et de neboin which he had among his books that i was very fond of shepherds and shepherdesses and that i would be quite willing to purchase at a reasonable price the story of these two perfect lovers i will sell you that book for one franc twenty-five centimes monsieur replied cocot whose face at once beamed with joy it is historical and you will be pleased with it i know now just what suits you i see that you are a connoisseur to-morrow i will bring you the crime des papes it is a good book i will bring you the edition d'amateur with coloured plates i begged him not to do anything of the sort and sent him away happy when the green toilette and the agent had disappeared in the shadow of the corridor i asked my housekeeper whence the little man had dropped upon us dropped is the word she answered he dropped on us from the roof monsieur where he lives with his wife you say he has a wife therese that is marvellous women are very strange creatures this one must be a very unfortunate little woman i don't really know what she is answered therese but every morning i see her trailing a silk dress covered with grease spots over the stairs she makes soft eyes at people and in the name of common sense does it become a woman that has been received here out of charity to make eyes and to wear dresses like that for they allowed the couple to occupy the attic during the time the roof was being repaired in consideration of the fact that the husband is sick and the wife in an interesting condition the concierge even says that the pain came on her this morning and that she is now confined they must have been very badly off for a child therese i replied they had no need of a child doubtless but nature had decided that they should bring one into the world nature made them fall into her snare one must have exceptional prudence to defeat nature's schemes let us be sorry for them and not blame them as for silk dresses there is no young woman who does not like them the daughters of eve adore adornment you yourself therese who are so serious and sensible what a fuss you make when you have no white apron to wait at table in but tell me have they got everything necessary in their attic how could they have it monsieur my housekeeper made answer the husband whom you have just seen used to be a jewellery peddler at least so the concierge tells me and nobody knows why he stopped selling watches 
you have just seen that he is now selling almanacs that is no way to make an honest living and i never will believe that god's blessing can come to an almanac peddler between ourselves the wife looks to me for all the world like a good-for-nothing i think she would be just as capable of bringing up a child as i should be of playing the guitar nobody seems to know where they came from but i am sure they must have come by misery's coach from the country of sans souci wherever they have come from therese they are unfortunate and their attic is cold pardi the roof is broken in several places and the rain comes through in streams they have neither furniture nor clothing i don't think cabinet-makers and weavers work much for christians of that sect that is very sad therese a christian woman much less well provided for than this pagan hamilcar here what does she have to say monsieur i never speak to those people i don't know what she says or what she sings but she sings all day long i hear her from the stairway whenever i am going out or coming in well the heir of the coco family will be able to say like the egg in the village riddle ma mere me fit en chantant my mother sang when she brought me into the world the like happened in the case of henry the fourth when jean d'albret felt herself about to be confined she began to sing an old bernays canticle notre dame de du pont venez à mon aide priez le dieu du ciel qu'il me délivre vite qu'il me donne un garçon it is certainly unreasonable to bring little unfortunates into the world but the thing is done every day my dear therese and all the philosophers on earth will never be able to reform the silly custom madame cocot has followed it and she sings this is creditable at all events but tell me therese have you not put the soup to boil to-day yes monsieur and it is time for me to go and skim it good but don't forget therese to take a good bowl of soup out of the pot and carry it to madame cocot our attic neighbour my housekeeper was on the point of leaving the room when i added just in time therese before you do anything else please call your friend the porter and tell him to take a good bundle of wood out of our stock and carry it up to the attic of those cocot folks see above all that he puts a first-class log in the lot a real christmas log as for the homunculus if he comes back again do not allow either himself or any of his yellow books to come in here having taken all these little precautions with the refined egotism of an old bachelor i returned to my catalogue again with what surprise with what emotion with what anxiety did i therein discover the following mention which i cannot even now copy without feeling my hand tremble la legende dorée de jacques de jean jacques de varagine traduction française petit un quatre this manuscript of the fourteenth century contains besides the tolerably complete translation of the celebrated work of jacques de varagine un the legends of saint verreol verutillon germain vincent and de a poem on the miraculous burial of m saint-germain of auxerre this translation as well as the legends and the poem are due to the clerk alexander this manuscript is written upon vellum it contains a great number of illuminated letters 
and two finely executed miniatures in a rather imperfect state of preservation one represents the purification of the virgin and the other the coronation of proserpine what a discovery perspiration moistened my forehead and a veil seemed to come before my eyes i trembled i flushed and without being able to speak i felt a sudden impulse to cry out at the top of my voice what a treasure for more than forty years i had been making a special study of the history of christian gaul and particularly of that glorious abbey of st germain des prés whence issued forth those king monks who founded our national dynasty now despite the culpable insufficiency of the description given it was evident to me that the manuscript of the clerk alexander must have come from the great abbey everything proved this fact all the legends added by the translator related to the pious foundation of the abbey by king childebert then the legend of saint jacques was particularly significant being the legend of the first abbot of my dear abbey the poem in french verse on the burial of saint germain led me actually into the nave of that venerable basilica which was the umbilicus of christian gaul the golden legend is in itself a vast and gracious work jacques de varagine divinitor of the order of saint dominic and archbishop of genoa collected in the thirteenth century the various legends of catholic saints and formed so rich a compilation that from all the monasteries and castles of the time there arose the cry this is the golden legend the legend de dore was especially opulent in roman hagiography edited by an italian monk it reveals its best merits in the treatment of matters relating to the terrestrial domains of st peter l'origine can only perceive the greater saints of the occident as through a cold mist for this reason the aquitanian and saxon translators of the good legend writer were careful to add to his recital the lives of their own national saints i have read and collated a great many manuscripts of the golden legend i know all those described by my learned colleague monsieur paulin paris in his handsome catalogue of the manuscripts of the bibliothèque de roi they were two among them which especially drew my attention one is of the fourteenth century and contains a translation by jean belay the other younger by a century presents the version of jacques vignet both come from the colbert collection and were placed on the shelves of that glorious colbertine library by the librarian balouze whose name i can never pronounce without uncovering my head for even in the century of the giants of erudition balouze astounds by his greatness i know also a very curious codex in the bijot collection i know seventy-four printed editions of the work commencing with the venerable ancestor of all the gothic of strasburg begun in fourteen seventy one and finished in fourteen seventy five but no one of those manuscripts no one of those editions contains the legends of saint ferreol ferroutillon germain vincent and doctorius no one bears the name of the clerk alexander no one in fine came from the abbey of st germain des prés compared with the manuscript described by mr thompson they are only a straw to gold i have seen with my eyes i have touched with my fingers an incontrovertible testimony to the existence of this document but the document itself what has become of it sir thomas raleigh went to end his days by the shores of the lake of como whither he carried with him a part of his literary wealth where did the books go after the death of that aristocratic collector where could the manuscript of the clerk alexander have gone and why i asked myself why should i have learned that this precious book exists 
if i am never to possess it never even to see it i would go to seek it in the burning heart of africa or in the icy regions of the pole if i knew it were there but i do not know where it is i do not know if it be guarded in a triple locked iron case by some jealous bibliomaniac i do not know if it be growing mouldy in the attic of some ignoramus i shudder at the thought that perhaps its torn-out leaves may have been used to cover the pickled jars of some housekeeper End of section one